Chapter One Finney was there to meet us at the airport, so I knew, as soon as I saw his pug, ugly, scarred face, that it had all gone tits up. I spotted him easily. He towered over everyone else. The relieved parents collecting backpacking teenagers, the minicab drivers on autopilot holding up their cardboard signs with the names of self-important businessmen hastily scrawled on them in biro. We were tired by now. The plane from Bangkok to Heathrow was bang on time, but the connecting flight back to Newcastle arrived an hour late, which tells you everything you need to know about this country. Laura hadn't noticed Finney. She was too busy restoring her lifeline, as she called it, attempting to wrestle her mobile phone from her handbag while simultaneously dragging the smallest of our two cases, mine, obviously, along behind her on its squeaky wheels. I could hear them squealing in protest with every step, because they were full of handcrafted wooden knick-knacks she'd insisted on buying but had no room for in her own case. That was full to bursting with the clothes she'd packed in Newcastle, but hadn't worn on the holiday because they were too bulky for the heat. Why do you need three different dresses for every day we're out there? I'd asked her before we left as I sat on her case and tried to flatten it. Now I was dragging Laura's case behind me, feeling no happier for being right. Ten days later we were back in Newcastle, and the look on Finney's face told me I was in trouble. There was no greeting, no small talk from the big man. All I wanted to know was why he was standing there, his huge frame dwarfing those flimsy metal barriers at the arrivals gate, gnarled fists bunched like he was about to start a fight. What? I asked him simply. Bobby needs a word, Davy, he said in that unmistakably nasally Geordie voice of his, which had been caused by the iron bar that broke his nose years ago. I was reliably informed that it was the last thing the guy with the iron bar ever did. Now? And he just nodded. What is it? He looked over at Laura, who was still a few yards behind me, but preoccupied by voicemails from her girly mates and her bloody mum. It's the drop, he said, and I immediately thought, oh shit. Laura didn't take the news well. He needs to see you now, she asked, as if I'd been called in late notice for a shelf-stacking shift at the co-op. Christ, David. I realised she was jet-lagged, but then so was I, and I could have done without the grief because she was embarrassing me a little in front of Finney. I might have been a new man compared to most of our mob, but if she carried on like this, the word would go out that I was pussy-whipped. You know who I work for. I hissed the words at her and was relieved when she fell silent. Finney lifted Laura's case into the boot of her Audi, and I added the other one. She didn't thank either of us. You don't know when you'll be back? She asked, though she already knew the answer to that stupid question. No, I said, through gritted teeth, my mind already on Bobby Mahoney and the reasons why he'd sent his top enforcer out to the airport to bring me in. Why did he not just leave me a message, or send some low-level member of the crew with a car, unless this was serious and I was somehow to blame for it? What the hell had gone wrong with the drop? Was it light? Had Cartwright gone completely out of his mind and skimmed off the top? No. He'd have to be mad. It would be spotted immediately. So 
If not that, then what? We waited till Laura drove away with a face like thunder, then walked over to Finney's 4 by 4 and climbed in. He drove us out of the car park and away. I had a little over ten minutes to get to the bottom of what was going on before we were back in the city. I hung on for what seemed like an eternity, then finally asked, So you going to tell me what this is all about, or do I have to guess? I'm not supposed to see it's don't be a total cunt. I was deliberately talking down to him, like he was being a complete wanker for hauling out on me like this, which he was. I only had a short drive to convince him he could safely let me know what had happened. I'm not going to let on, am I? It was a bit of a risk talking to a man like Finney like that, and he gave me a look. We both knew he could have ripped my head off my body without even breaking sweat.